1: hello everyone my name is taylor and i'm kelly and we are the co-hosts of jumping bomb audio the number one show all about the world of joshi pro wrestling episodes drop every other monday where we discuss the biggest joshi news review shows and preview the hottest upcoming joshi action
2: so whether you're a new fan or an old fan we've got
3: something here for you at jumping bomb audio
1: Check us out on the Voices of Wrestling Podcast Network.
0: This podcast is a member of the Voices of Wrestling Podcasting Network. Visit VoicesOfWrestling.com to hear the rest of our great podcasts, as well as show reviews, columns, opinions, and updates across the world of wrestling.
2: Welcome back to another episode of the Good, the Bag, and the Hungy Heat Check, presented by the Voice of Wrestling Podcasting Network. I am your host, Tyler Fornes. With me, as always, is Fred. Tyler, can you hear me? Moreland, as we dealt with some audio issues this morning. Fred, how are you?
3: Uh, I'm doing all right, getting over a head cold. So, uh, I'm, you know, trying not to bring back like vintage Dave Meltzer uh, coughing <laughs> for, you know, eight weeks, hopefully, but. Yeah, I uh, I spent most of this week on my ass, which is uh, less pleasurable than you might hope for. But doing all right,
2: all right is good. And we're going to start off this morning by uh, sending all of our best wishes and condolences to everybody who knew the legendary Terry Funk and Bray Wyatt, who both tragically passed away this week. Terry Funk was seventy nine, and Bray Wyatt was unfortunately thirty six um we send all of our best wishes to both of them and if you want a really great retrospective especially on Terry Funk the guys at the flagship podcast on this same podcast network spent nearly two hours discussing the life and career of Terry Funk and it's not something you're going to want to miss
3: yeah I was able to listen to a little bit of that and it was really good um yeah Terry Funk was uh, mostly before my time um I remember his uh, little bit of a run in WWF uh, in the Monday Night Wars era as uh, Chainsaw Charlie, which is still one of the most baffling things ever.
2: That um, chainsaw, that, that that dumpster match at WrestleMania was really fun.
3: Yeah, yeah, and like he had a really good like Falls Count Anywhere match with Foley on ran a random brawl, I think, too, in the build up to that. Um, well, you know, like I was just a stupid kid. I hadn't really heard of Terry Funk before because I didn't really come from a wrestling, you know, family or anything. Like, uh, had anyone, uh, any other fans to rely on there. Um, but yeah, I mean, he was just, if you, any clip you watch of him going back, um, he was just absolutely amazing. And I can't really properly eulogize him, but I can say that I've enjoyed literally everything I've ever seen him do. And uh, just an absolute all-timer. And also uh, really good in Roadhouse, too. (laughs) Um, One of my all-time favorite fun movies. And uh, he just did a fantastic job and a bit part in that. Uh, But it's a damn shame. Uh, All kinds of wonderful things were said about him. And then we just got the absolutely heartbreaking news about uh, Wyndham Rotundo. Uh, Of course, Bray Wyatt um, passing suddenly at the age of 36, which is entirely too young. No matter what, so you know, I mean, under any circumstances. Um, and uh, basically, he had uh, he contracted COVID, I think, around the start of the year and had a very serious case of it. And it exacerbated some pre existing uh, cardiac issues he had. And it appeared he was on the road to recovery. There were talks of it, like actually planning for his return to the ring in the next month or two, I think. And uh, he's, you know, uh, Sean Ross Sapp shared with the permission of the family that um, he basically had a heart attack yesterday. Uh, We're recording this on the 25th of August. And uh, he had a heart attack and passed away suddenly. And um, terrifying stuff. Um, Really sad. Fred, he
2: wasn't just supposed to come back in a couple weeks. He was supposed to come back tomorrow, August 26th. I actually had not seen that, so
3: that's that's wild to see uh, or hear. Um but yeah, don't mess with COVID, that's scary stuff. Um and uh but just heartbreaking. You know, he actually um when I came back I wasn't like a giant mark form or anything, but when I did come back to uh being a wrestling fan because I had stopped watching around ninety eight, ninety nine, um as a kid and uh i kind of kept following it from about oh three on but didn't watch it regularly until the the big brian Daniel, well daniel Bryan, obviously was the name he was using at the time run up to mania 30 and that's why you, you can blame that on my presence on anything to do with wrestling these days uh sorry um but of course bray wyatt was about i think at the peak of his uh of what interested me about him, as the filthy swamp wizard kind of gimmick he had going on. um, And, like, that was my favorite iteration of him, was just the dirty, uh, you know, cult leader from uh, Louisiana kind of gimmick. um, And, you know, unfortunately... Vince McMahon did an awful job with him in that setting. And I think uh, Bray had some health issues, like specifically like a, a foot issue, I think, uh, that affected his in-ring ability. And there was never really clear creative form um, for him to have a good storyline. And he later had, when I had basically checked out at WWE, he had success as The Fiend. And I wasn't really a big fan of that, but obviously he had a lot of talent and, uh, you know, had some unique ideas about wrestling, which, you know, you always wonder how this would have worked under different circumstances. Um, it's hard to say. Um, but i just a really unique and talented guy, and uh, it really sucks. And it's uh, just really sad news.
2: Yeah, I know uh, recently there's been a lot of people really – down on his work because of what his gimmick had become where he, he went from that cult leader, which honestly was tremendous. And he was so good in that role to basically like a, a swamp wizard. And to me, that's, that doesn't really have much of a place in wrestling, like, like magic and stuff. I, uh, you can get away with, with a little bit, I guess, but when it becomes your gimmick, nah, like, as dumb as it was like when the undertaker would have like lightning bolts come down from the rafters, that was kind of cool. Once twice, three times become like becoming a regular thing. Nah, it's no, like that's, that's not pro wrestling. We're, we're missing the plot at that point. And it's, I, I feel so bad for the wrestler that he never really got a chance at, at redeeming that. And obviously, from a human perspective, losing your life at the age of 36 due to no fault of your own is tragic. And he leaves behind, I believe it was four kids and a loving wife and just awful, awful on every level. But if you want more retrospect on... Those two in their careers, highly recommend you go listen to the flagship because we have the biggest wrestling show in the world, in the history of the world, to preview here this afternoon, and we're going to start off with some news. Obviously, we already talked about it, but let's jump into the card. AR Fox and Ray Phoenix um, are have been removed from All In, and there are different reasons. Ray Phoenix missing All In doing to try to establish residency in the U.S., And A.R. Fox, according to Brian Alvarez from Wrestling Observer Radio, there's heat on him because AEW found out last minute that he couldn't make the show. And he hasn't wrestled outside the U.S. per cage match since 2016. Fred, this sounds like a fireable offense.
3: Yeah, you got to wonder what exactly is going on here. If um, You know, if he had some kind of... um, Legal issue, I couldn't really find any record of that online. Um, but, you know, if he has some kind of legal reason he can't go into the UK, um, you know, what's particularly odd is not only did he not work the Canada stretch that AEW had earlier this year, I can't really find a record of him ever working Canada, um, which seems kind of unusual for a guy of his stature and
2: <laughs> length you on... You know what that uh, sounds like to me? The Indies. DUI
3: it could yeah, be. You um, if you get a
2: DUI, you don't get to go to Canada.
3: Yeah. Um it might be. I you know, I was able to find an arrest from over a decade ago for uh possession of marijuana uh that there's some vague records of online under his uh his shoot name. Um and the the mugshot uh, appears to uh to match, but I mean, I don't know, man. It's, uh, it's very odd. We don't know what's going on exactly, and uh, you know, we'll possibly find out at some point. Um, we'll see. Uh, I imagine this will probably be something that'll take a little time to uh, come out. Exactly what, why he can't make it, but it's really bad that he can't because. Uh, you know, with him, he, um, it's kind of a, I mean, not that he isn't good. I don't want to make a sound like that, but we actually had a discussion when they started this angle with Swerve Strickland about how I was, you know, kind of thinking that he's a, a good worker, but I don't know what his, uh, you know, ceiling is in the company other than like solid mid Carter. Like I, I compared him to Matt Seidel and, um, and then they turned him heel and looked like they were doing something with him, and he seemed to be doing really well in that role. Um, but you know, here we are, and uh, I, I, there's got to be more information coming out at some point in the near future over it. But it's just not—it's uh, not good. And uh, if he misled about, you know, misled AEW about his ability to travel to uh the uk or other places then that's a uh, that's not good and i think they'd be pretty justified in um in dropping him if they wanted to if that was the case but it's very odd because like this storyline just got completely blown up this week on, on dynamite um you know it wasn't even like oh it's a one-week injury angle we'll bring this back at you know in chicago at all out it's You know, oh, he's not a heel anymore. He's a babyface now. Uh, It's completely done. And that's a shame because I thought this was one of the best angles, if not the best angle,
2: going on in or storyline, I should say, in AEW. The him going to Nick Wayne's house and almost killing him. And then Nick Wayne's mom sitting front row and throwing the bloody, like, like tank top at her. Great stuff. Yeah. That was tremendous. And it, you just get the sense that this company is going from a long term build company to a week to week company. And that's, it's quite a shame.
3: I I wanted to talk about that with you. Um, And let me know when, if like this isn't the right time to bring that up. But I have some, uh, Man, I, I got some some thoughts about this build. And, it's always
2: um, a good time to talk about Tony Khan's booking. That's a lot of what this show's been about. We have had a lot of criticisms about him.
3: Yeah. I, I don't know if you want me to do it now, but I can launch into it now uh, if let's, you want.
2: Hey, let's do it. Let's have some fun.
3: All right, let's do it. Um, I am pretty damn worried about uh, the direction of this company. Um, he is... Uh, you know, we we when when this company started out, we had like these really thought out, well done angles for you know literally months and months, if not years, setting stuff up. And you know whether it be like the Hangman page, Kenny Omega storyline, or MJF, Cody Rhodes, or Cody Rhodes, Darby Allen is a good one that uh, Joe Lands had talked about previously. Um You know, it's just like, what are we, you know, we we don't have that anymore. It's just very much uh, some stuff's going to happen this week and it'll be connected next week. It's not full blown like the worst of Vince McMahon's, uh, you know, no planning booking, but it's getting closer than I would be comfortable with, I got to say. And that's not good. Um, like they really gotta tighten some stuff up here. Um,
2: Their but, yeah. longest running story that's gonna get a payoff is Billy Gunn, and it's it's not an insult to Billy Gunn. The dude's just fifty eight, and you have all these wrestlers. Like yeah, it's
3: such a talented roster.
2: Does Tony Khan not have full control of his booking anymore? And I want to preface this because we know Tony Khan is the final decision maker, but that doesn't mean he has control. Like you can still be like, yes, this is the decision that I'm making, but that doesn't mean like you feel like you are in control. And I think that's a, that's a big difference here.
3: Okay. Um, Oh, I think I, oh, I may have just found something about Air Fox that may have something to do with it. So live on air. So this is from a a March 5th, 2012 Wrestling Observer newsletter. And it's talking about how Air Fox was trying to go into the 16-carat gold tournament that WXW runs in Germany. Um, And he went to the UK first this week. This is what Dave wrote. And was sent back home because he came in without a working visa. He tried to get in on a tourist visa, which a lot of indie groups do. But he got mad when they found out he was coming as a tourist, but only had twenty dollars on him and was traveling with wrestling gear. So I, I wonder if that, you know, if that has any impact here. Um, it's a possibility, I guess, but I don't know enough about, you know, uh, visa law. But I, you know, that's one thing to think about, possibly um
2: you remember speedball how he got caught yeah. working without a visa and then he got banned from the u.s for five years
3: yeah and uh it didn't ruin his career but it really kept him from being a bigger star for quite a while um i think maybe it worked out for him long term because mm-hmm. those reps in ddt really helped him out but mm-hmm. um yeah yeah i mean he uh that's a great example of it because he was doing really well in pwg i think back uh Oh, goodness. Was that 2016, 2015? I think it was when his big run was and getting a pretty big push there. And uh, then he just kind of disappeared. And I wasn't plugged in enough to really know what was going on at that point. But it was 100% because he uh, tried to do that with the United States. Uh, so, you know, granted, it's been quite a long time since this happened. But you got to wonder, you know. Uh, but going back to the, the booking concerns, um, man, I, I just, the vibes on this company right now feel very different from what they did in 2019, 2020. Uh, and, and yeah, there's, you know, there's early days. They didn't have the best roster. They had talent for sure. Don't don't get me wrong, but like, you know, they had some, like they, they used Brandon Cutler a little bit as a serious wrestler and, uh, not like an outright comedy figure like he is now. And, you know, I think that just speaks a lot to it. Um, and, uh, you know, nowadays, Brandon Cutler just doesn't have the talent to, like, get that kind of uh, push or featured spot as I watch Tyler try to pull uh, the cord for his headphones out of his dog's mouth. Um, yeah, so I don't know. The, the booking feels very sloppy. And there's been a lot of noise this year about, oh, we're bringing in Will Washington to help uh, keep things cleaner. We're bringing in all these guys to... You know, it, it feels like they brought in like 30 guys to help out with uh, with with keeping the place running, you know, neater and uh, more planned. And it just feels like it's getting worse and worse. And I don't know what the deal is, but it feels like it just, you know, we've gone from Taz calling in WWE a sloppy shop in that promo way early on to... AW coming across as far more of a sloppy shop, you know. We got people being booked for shows in England that they can't go to apparently, uh, for one reason or another, and um, it's just very unorganized. It feels like, and it's coming through. And you know, it's I'm not worried about the um, I'm not worried about the quality of this upcoming show because I think AW always delivers on its pay per views. And the roster is so good now that they can overcome mediocre booking. But I am worried about, in general, the long-term direction of this company. And if its booking is going to get any neater, and back to even you know close to those standards of the early days of like having a long-term plan. Because I don't know that we have a long-term plan right now. It feels like so much is up in the air, and uh, you know, so many different people apparently having some kind of pull on things and diverting the plans, and it does not have the feel of like the vision of one guy. And you know, I don't know if it's Tony Khan taking a step back or what, but it needs addressed, you know, and maybe Tony Khan's lost his fastball. I don't think that's out of the question.
2: Yeah, I will say this. Feels like, and we could be completely off base here. The Ray Phoenix one feels like that they thought they were going to be able to get him a visa, and yeah. they just realized that it just wasn't going to happen, and it happened to be last second. That to well, me feels like the case rather than them knowing. Mm-hmm. Because- I, I think it,
3: the, what I read was that Ray Phoenix is trying to establish residency in the US so he can become a citizen, and to do that, you can't leave the country for a while. So he's stuck in the U.S. as long as he wants to pursue that uh, until he gets it. And um, I don't know how recently he started that, if there was a miscommunication with that. But, you know, I think that's a very different situation from what it appears Air Fox is, you know, handling. Yeah.
2: The Fox thing feels really, really different because it, you don't just... You make up an excuse or do an injury angle if he just can't leave. And you don't right. completely flip an angle that was getting over.
3: Yeah. That was working really well, frankly. Um, it's it's I, just
2: another example why we are worried about the direction of this company. Because like Tony Khan's booking has always been inconsistent. And yeah. there's been so many bright spots, especially early on, that I think people overlooked some of the other stuff. And it's something we haven't done. We've been like, what are you doing? Why are we doing this? This doesn't make any sense. And now you're seeing him backtrack. Why in the world is Blackpool Combat Club five guys now? Why didn't they just say, find a 6th we We're not going to give up our six. That yeah. doesn't make sense either.
3: Yeah, that was, a, that was an odd one when they were just like, it's five on five. And it's like, but a week ago, it was six on six. You know, and I know that you know, you're writing out Ray, but you know, considering the roster they have. And like, you got all these big names, you know, I, I know that uh, Ewan uh, wrote for the site um, about how Andy Sakura should get her moment on Wembley, and like, yeah, it'd be nice if she did, but we've got guys like Ricky Starks that aren't even getting the shot, you know, it's it's wild some of the names getting left off of here, you know, ignoring like Brian Danielson for injury and all that. And it's kind of like you know, we can't, you know, as I, I'm sh- kind of surprised that the Tony Khan, given all his resources and everything, isn't and, and given his general reputation is like a uh, happy backstage, you know, someone that likes to treat his wrestlers well, that he wouldn't do like a, a battle royal, you know, just to get 20 guys on the show. Uh, we have one women's match on here that was built too horribly. Um one of the most afterthought matches I've ever seen where they tried, look, I know the pro wrestling that, that promoting, especially in pro wrestling, it's to some degree, you know, built on lies because it it's all work and et cetera, et cetera. And even if something stinks, you like to go back to it years later? And, you know, if it can play into a storyline you can try to sell that it was better than it was, you do that. Right. That, that all makes perfect sense. Pretending that a four way match between women by citing like all these utterly forgettable and, really not very good matches that have happened previously. Like these matches that are solidly in like the, the two to two and a half star range and being like, this is part of the history of AEW and we're bringing it back. Like it's some big deal. Um, honestly, you know, the, the stakes are kind of like this, but they also aren't kind of like this. But you remember that one Undertaker WrestleMania match that they set up by having four dudes do a, a four way match on a random brawl like a month ahead of time.
2: What? Which mania was that? Was that
3: was that the CM Punk match? Was that actually how they started that storyline?
2: It might have been the CM Punk match.
3: Um, I, I think it was, and it was just like, you know, this is this is your slam dunk, you know, big match of the year. Like even if your world title feuds are. Flopping, you've got this great fallback of the Undertaker streak match. You can always pull out at this point in time. And they were just like, oh, I guess we'll do a four-way match to see you as the honor. And and I think you know, the reporting was someone got fired at that point in time for doing such a bad job of setting it up. And, and here we are in AEW, and we have one women's match on there. And uh we it's set up by a mini tournament directly after doing two Owen Hart tournaments um, to get spots in the field. You have your world champion having to win a match to get in while the woman she just beat is already locked into the field. I don't know. Like, it's just frankly bizarre, that that whole storyline, and I'm using storyline very loosely there because there's hardly a story to it. Um, and you could do interesting stuff there. You could have teased a between the outcasts you could have teased Britt Baker turning heel. You could have done any number of things. And instead, we just got this dead in the water, like token as possible, as token as it gets, um, women's match without even like putting the TBS championship on uh, or another women's match. Um, frankly, I think you've got a lot of uh, women's workers that uh, aren't up to snuff um, in terms of you know recent performances. Um Getting heavy TV time for that division. Uh, you don't really have a good storyline going on. You have Britt Baker, who ranges from like below average to in a certain circumstance above average as a worker, but her strength has always been her promos, and she hasn't cut a real meaningful promo in God knows how long. Um, I, I don't know I don't know what this is I don't know what this women's division is at this point in time I don't know what the thinking is with it um you know there's all this talent out there that they have access to or that they could could have at one point got access to that they just haven't brought in um like I you know they could have had a shot I think at Deanna prazo at some point no apparent interest they could have you know there was a camille uh who's very good for NWA. Uh, she was around for a little bit, but never stuck for some reason. Um, you've got uh, Heidi Howitzer and Max Dean Paler doing pretty damn well as a monster tag team in Tokyo Joshi Pro. They're based out of the out of North America. Not even a sniff of them. Um, Athena is stuck in the hinterlands of Ring of Honor, um, and we're pushing like a, a green, you know. Sky blue, more like sky green. Oh, um, you know, like she's not doing particularly well right now. Ruby Soho isn't uh, knocking out of the park. Um, Soraya, I, I think she's shot in the ring, frankly. Um, it's a really pessimistic time, especially for the women's division in AW. Uh, Chris Jericho and Will Ospreay got billed off of like a week Um, despite having this big feel um, to, like, just the names that they are, you know. Um, You've got Chris Jericho, who is one of the, like, inner circle Hall of Famers, no pun intended, and you've got Will Ospreay, who is, you could argue, has been the best in-ring performer of the past five years having a match, and it just doesn't feel like that big of a deal, and um, I don't know, man. It's a very weird time in this company's history.
2: it is a really weird time and let's go to the women's match fred all they had to do was say the first women's match in this company's canon was all in and it was a four-way yep. so we're yep. going to honor that by doing another four-way yeah that's it
3: that's you don't have just to sh- shut up more. after that <laughs> don't don't have to see another damn thing that's that's good enough right there and you, you could still stuck even with the qualifying matches if you wanted to um that would have been fine but
2: and that's the kind of stuff when we talk about Will Washington, his entire job was being brought in to just get things like that. Like, hey, we're going to do this. Well, hey, this doesn't make sense. Why are you calling it historic? No, it's not. And we we obviously don't know the inner workings of the room. But they basically told us that's his job. Mm-hmm. And why is this stuff still getting through the cracks? There's – are, I think we might be at a point where there's just too many people in the room. And we know that there are too many people in the room who love WWE-style storytelling. And th- there's nothing wrong with that. You can do WWE-style storytelling with some of this stuff. But mm-hmm. the, the antithesis of this company is it's not WWE.
3: Yeah, Um it, yeah, the, that's the key part of AW's identity. Is it's an alternative. You know, Tony Khan's gone out to make a big deal about how they're a challenger brand, that they're Pepsi to WWE's Coke, that they're Burger King to WWE's McDonald's, and um and I don't know, man. It feels like we're getting we're really flirting. You know, I know that the MGF Adam Cole thing's a special thing, so it's hard not to read too much into that. But I mean, up and down this card, like. You know, the best build, uh, I guess, are the acclaimed against House of Black, which is based around Billy Gunn returning to the ring, which isn't really, like, super exciting, I guess, Uh, in in a way. I mean, I like Billy Gunn well enough, don't get me wrong, but, you know, he's Billy Gunn, he's petite, you know, whatever he is now. And and the other one that really got a good build and has since been blown up is that Darby and staying against Swerve and now Christian Cage.
2: It's just so frustrating, Fred. Yeah. We had this company that was finally delivering a type of pro wrestling that American fans had wanted in America for such a long time. And it just feels like it's being taken away from us. And that we're, as we're going to get in a lot more about the booking and talking about it in terms of what this card is, because oh my gosh, this card is just wonky. And yeah. it, it's probably going to be really good but it's wonky. Let's continue with some of this other news because we're going to dive a lot more into this. We may be getting edge in AEW. Um, we may be. WWE reportedly declined to match what it would take to sign him, which I think it was reported. It was around 3 million a year. I, I may be wrong on that, but for some reason that uh, I, that number's coming to me. Um, I didn't look, see a number. So listen, listen, all I gotta say is Edge uh, reportedly has never met his father, and Christian Cage is in this company. They're best friends. That like we're gonna get some kind of Edge and Christian stuff. And you know what? The the Hardy nostalgia didn't work for multiple mm-hmm. reasons. This still could because working. they're both they're both still good in the ring.
3: Yeah, Edge just had a pretty good match with Sheamus on uh, SmackDown last week. That was a nice little farewell to him. I went four stars on that flat. Um, That's I enjoyed really
2: good it. for a SmackDown TV match.
3: Yeah, they gave it a lot of time, too. Like, WWE really did uh, do him a solid there, make him look good and have him go over Sheamus and uh, have him put on a good match. I mean, I, sh- I think Sheamus was better in the match, probably. But, I mean, Edge looked good, despite, you know... He, he he! I think he's finally figured out like the, the facial hair thing. So like, it's not like ripped body of a twenty eight year old, head of a sixty year old kind of thing, you know? Because he looks older in the face than he actually is a little bit, and then he's got the the super jack look. It, it was odd early on. Um, but I don't know. You know, I'm a little hesitant about Edge coming in just because I don't think he's been really a super success on his return in WWE. But he has some juice left. I mean, it's definitely a better option than you know the Hardys right now uh as or a year ago <laughs> that's an example um yeah so it's kind of odd but you know the dude is uh i think he's so talented and hopefully if he's put in the right spot he can put on a really good storyline and you know maybe partnering or you know opposing him from christian with his current gimmick would work but we'll see you know there's a lot going on it could just be that he doesn't want to go anywhere he could This could all be, uh, you know, just it could be like Randy Orton who used AEW a couple years ago for leverage against WWE to get money. We'll see.
2: Listen, I don't, I'd be all for a Edge and Christian nostalgia run because I think, especially with how great, just tremendously great Christian has been in this company, I think that they'd be fine. As You can hear Eclair panting because Odie just will not leave her alone. Uh, It's It's something that I think they could be done really well. And Tony Khan has done so with Malachi black really filtered out the worst instincts and house of black. Like, yeah, Malachi still gets to do his lore stuff, but it's not over the top. And then once again, the ring, no frills, no bullshit. And I think that's awesome. Um, we're, We could be sitting on a really good run from these two. And I think that's exciting.
3: Yeah, it it could be a really interesting thing. And uh, I look forward to seeing what possibly comes from it. Um, I mean, Christian's just been on fire uh, as far as the act right now. Like, you could tell me that you think this is the best run of his career. And, like, I can't really say you're crazy because he's cutting these great promos every time he's given a chance.
2: Yeah, 100%. It it a great shock. Oh, yeah. I wouldn't shock me if it's at Wembley. Uh, yeah,
3: I mean it's a possibility. Although there, he did Adam. You know, Adam Coben did say that he is not available, or that his contract runs through next month. Who knows if that's the truth? It's wrestling, everyone lies. But mm-hmm. you know that is out there. So
2: yeah. Well, why would you? Why would you have your going away match an out, month and a half before your contract runs mm-hmm. that seems That's kinda weird. Yeah, a little weird. Yeah. Um, that probably honestly, if he debuts, it's 100% just a ploy to um keep the surprise on because the second you think you know me hits in this st- in the stadium, that's <laughs> just going to be the place can go bonkers, yeah. And like, we grew up on edge, like that edge Cena feud over the course of like 06 to 09 was awesome stuff, and you know, like, there was parts of it that just stunk i mean it's wwe there's parts of a lot of it that stink <laughs> <laughs> yeah. i remember really enjoying it in real time um, yeah moving forward a couple contract things the boys have re-signed to the awroh and it's dalton castle's boys um i love that gimmick i think that gimmick
3: it's such great. a great shtick man uh, can we talk just talk about dalton castle and how much he rules um dalton
2: castle's great man
3: uh, I know he's not quite the worker he once was though it does seem like he's actually like really recovered physically from uh, some serious issues he was having and thank god for that but he's just such a great personality that like I can't believe he's not featured on TV every single week you know it's he's really good at being a professional wrestler he's just a complete maniac um you know he kind of reminds me of, it's kind of like uh Juice Robinson you know these guys that uh, just haven't figured out about how to be these larger than life uh, characters, and uh, and for some reason that's not what WWE wants these days, despite it being good. And um, you know them just making it bigger outside of that system. Uh, but you know his Dalton Castle's entrance on uh, Collision last week was just like fantastic. You know, absolutely perfect. Um, if you want, I, I seriously think that Dalton Castle is, is custom built for like these 60 or 90 second packages that can get a guy over. And uh, you just give him that much time, you know, every week for four weeks. And I think by the fifth week, he'd be a star.
2: Give me more Dalton Castle. I remember yeah. watching him when he first came into Ring of Honor. And I'm like, ooh, this dude is good. He like yeah. just the charisma oozes from him. And, I mean, it, he's a flamboyant peacock character. Yeah, like, literally. You got to have charisma to pull that kind of thing off. It's, yeah. it It's it's of a similar ilk, and not on the same level, but it's a similar ilk to Hiroshi Tanahashi, where Tanahashi is just like, come on. The, the guy is just intentionally trying to be like flamboyant and mm-hmm. over the top. And he strums an air guitar, but it yeah. doesn't matter. Because he's Hiroshi Tanahashi. It's
3: the stuff that sounds like it's stupid as hell on paper. And then you actually it watch it happen. It works like perfectly.
2: That's kind of the same bit with Dalton Castle. It's he kind has- of the secret
3: of pro wrestling. You know?
2: Yeah, And it's, it's it's fascinating to watch. And I really enjoy it. And I can't wait to see how Dalton Castle might be getting used even more so. Later yeah on in this run but man i'm excited that the boys have resigned cuz the boys are a very good part of that gimmick they oh yeah he
3: needs the boys he needs the the Tate twins and uh, i'm glad they're sticking around
2: mhm absolutely so brock anderson's contract we just talked about brock anderson last week um, Yeah, his, bad contract, match. his contract is up at the end of the year um that comes from his dad arn that that to me says like uh, coming out like that. He's probably not getting re-signed, and it would honestly do him well to go to uh, indies for a couple years.
3: Oh god, he needs to leave. <laughs> um,
2: you know what? Send him to All Japan.
3: So, yeah, I mean All Japan or Noah. I mean Noah's got a really weird mix of. Uh, non-Japanese workers right now um, that, you know, I I brought, you know, why not add Brock Anderson? But the thing with him is like, I just haven't seen any progress from him whatsoever really since day one, like that collision match. He didn't look like he's really improved as a worker. He doesn't have any presence. It's like, you know, the joke I always make about Arn Anderson is he, he looks like your friend's dad. That's a shift worker at the docks and you accidentally woke him up. And he's pissed as hell coming out of his bedroom at you know two in the afternoon because he was gonna sleep till four, you know, and you know, wearing a wife beater with all his chest hair sticking out. And, and like obviously the, the difference with Arn Anderson is he's got that charisma and the mind for the business and the ability to work and everything. And that's why Arn Anderson's a great and all-time great. And maybe uh,
2: Brock just needs a Glock. Uh, <sighs>
3: uh, Glock Anderson is a hell of a character change. Um but yeah, Brock is like Arn Anderson without any of those things that made Arn Anderson Arn Anderson. He just looks like Arn Anderson and uh, doesn't pop off the screen. He doesn't seem to have any promo ability, though they haven't really let him try. So I guess I can't really conclusively say that. But in the ring, he's just like a, a jaggy jag, you know.
2: And it's it's unfortunate because he's got the look of Arn.
3: Yeah, it's like R2.0, but then, you know, it's it's like one of those Boston Dynamics robots that you like. They were going to have it walk across the room, and then it just, you know, limbs flail everywhere and stuff. It doesn't work
2: right. Yeah. Last thing, Darby Allen said that there will never be a bidding war for him as he is, quote, AEW for life, unquote. Good for him for being loyal, but dude, shut up. Yeah, <laughs> you're, you're, you're going you're gonna to hinder any kind of money coming your way long term. Oh, oh, well, um, the other company's talking to me. Dude, you told me you're never leaving. What? Yeah, I'm not going to up my offer. Like, I'm not. No, gonna he, could, he could he no. could always
3: tell Tony I was just trying to be face the crowd, you know. Um, But yeah, I can't really envision Darby ever leaving. Um, I, I do hope he, you know, has a long career. Sometimes you worry about that with him with his crazy bumps. He'll take. Um, yeah. But he uh, is—he's damn good.
2: Yeah, he—he really is damn good, and I'm really excited to see him. This is—I—I just love Darby. Darby, he's great. He—he is, man. He's gonna die at forty, but—and I—I'm not saying that as a joke. Like, dude is just crazy at the kind of bumps he takes and it's it's honestly wild but let's uh we're gonna have to transition because fred i don't know if you know this we have the biggest wrestling show of all time this weekend in all in and we have another rendition of the heat check
3: yeah so if you haven't uh, heard one of our heat check episodes before what we do is we run through the card and uh we just on a one to ten scale we talked about how excited we are for the match uh with ten being you know as excited as possible and one being i'd rather watch paint dry um so we've got the whole um whole card pulled up we do have a slight spoiler i think from uh Either collision or rampage that is going to be reflected in this card early on. So if that's a concern for you, uh, turn it off, uh, pause the show, and come back and listen to our wonderful audio. Um, but yeah, you ready to go, man?
2: Yeah, man. Let's go.
3: All right. Let me get this pulled up. Um, now we'll start with uh, with the spoiler. So five, four, three, two, one. Uh, Hook is challenging Jack Perry for the FTW Championship on the pre show, Zero Hour. Uh, fortunately, we have apparently a two match pre show, so that's promising. Hopefully, uh, we'll grow to three or even four so that we don't have those awful talking head segments that are completely useless um, to me as a viewer. Maybe it drives business. I can't. If you're someone. <laughs> If you're someone that watches it, watches a zero hour and is like, you know, yeah, I remember when there was like a near five star Eddie Kingston uh, match on here with Tomohiro Ishii. But what really makes me buy pay per views is uh, is watching R.J. City and Renee Young, just dis- you know, kayfabe discuss matches. Um, Who's
2: Renee Young?
3: I'm sorry, Renee Paquette. My apologies to uh, the the good paquette family um yeah so i don't know it's just crazy to me that that works but i've gone on that rant before um hook versus jack perry where are you at on this
2: i don't know it it's kind of annoying that it's a last second zero hour edition because uh, and obviously you know because you you chose to come back and listen the idea here is that Perry was going to retire the FTW title, and obviously Hook is defending the honor of his dad because his dad created the FTW title. So I'm probably at five. I, I think this could have been a little better built, at least give any kind of build other than just doing it literally the day before. Obviously, uh. the Collision was recorded three days ago. Uh, when it or three days before it will air, like, yeah. I don't know, I it could have been done so much better, and I think that's just that just has me annoyed. So I'm at a five. I do like that it's on the pre show though, because the pre show needs some
4: juice. Yeah, I, I mean they've been doing this angle for a uh, few weeks now. You know, with in the hobby, it's not easy being a fan of ripping packs or repacks. We hype ourselves up thinking maybe I can pull a Ken Griffey Jr. rookie card. Off. Again, that's arenaclub.com slash V-O-W-Net, arenaclub.com slash V-O-W-Net for 10% off your first purchase on Arena Club. And we thank them for sponsoring the Voices of the Wrestling Podcast Network. What's going on, guys? This is Rich from the Flagship Podcast here on the Voices of Wrestling Podcast Doors is unlocked much much easier so if you want to jump on board with Ufy video lock search eufy video lock that is e u f y video lock again that's Ufy video lock e u f y video lock or visit ufyofficialcom slash video lock to see how you can gain complete control of your door
3: hook and jack perry about the ftw championship i thought the heel turn win was great for jack perry i thought it was exactly what he needed i think what he's been doing since then has been you know trending upwards but not like elite level you know it's been like good you know Like, him running away from Hook was pretty entertaining for a couple weeks, and then his promos since then have been kind of like Baby's first heel promo. It's like Christian Cage, but without the the verve and the ability to deliver it perfectly uh, is the comparison I'd make. But I'd go higher. I'd go like a, you know, this is at least a 6 and possibly a 7. They had a very good match the first time, too, and I think it'll be good this time around.
2: Yeah, it, it. I don't. I think it will be good. I just think my interest level is a lot less just because of how they built it. Sure, but I, that's probably just a personal thing.
1: Uh, it, look, it, it is a
2: personal thing. That's the whole point of this. That's a. It's a really good pre-show match. Yeah, it is. I think. All right, what do we got next?
3: We got next Aussie Open against uh, Better Than You, baby. Adam Cole and MJF challenging Mark Davis and Kyle Fletcher for the Ring of Honor World Tag Team Championship on the pre show. Where are you at on this? 10.
4: Full 10. Nice. I'm at a
2: 10. Look, as dumb as some of these segments with MJF and Adam, excuse me, Cole have been, I'm really intrigued to see what's going to happen with these guys. Yeah. I'm yeah. So like, I. I, I
3: Some of these pre-tapes, like, I've been really down on because they've been dumb as hell, frankly. Uh, I didn't really think they were funny. But the in-ring stuff and uh, the sit-down promos from this past Dynamite from these guys uh, have been fantastic. Like, absolute home runs. Um, MJF's been doing a great job, and Adam Cole has been hanging with them. They found themselves a really unique storyline that I think is working perfectly. The crowd loves it. They're eating it up. Um, These guys are so over right now. And it's really intriguing as to what exactly will happen with this match and, you know, the the whole double baby face a- face aspect of it. And um, I've really enjoyed it, uh, frankly, uh, you know, other than the parts I didn't enjoy, <laughs> um, which is the stupidest analysis ever. Uh, but like, you know, the stuff that's worked has like worked really well. Um, as we have a dog emergency up in Minnesota.
2: She just peed on the grog.
3: Oh, boy. Well, you go handle that, and I'll uh, I'll go off on this some. Um, I'll just lay out what I think are scenarios here for uh, for this match as uh, we handle a dog urine issue. Uh, so basically, you know, they could double babyface this and keep thing, you know keep whatever the real big draw is for the actual pay per view. Um, with the idea being that you have to pay to see the real resolution of this. But I have convinced myself that the money actually is in doing the big angle on this that sets up whatever happens on the proper, um, show. So, you know, we got ourselves, you know, both guys have teased at various points, turning on the other, and then they've been friends, you know, they've, they've hugged it out and, uh, declared that they're best friends, you know, forever. And, um, you know, the big question of the storyline is who's going to turn on who. I 100% believe, and will believe until I'm dead in the ground and buried, that the, the the money here is going to be having one of them turn on the other on the pre-show to give that juice to the, the pay-per-view and convince people that you have to pay to see what happens next. Um, I think that is 100% the smartest thing you can do here. And frankly, I also think that it's booking malpractice if you're going to have uh, Adam Cole come out of this as the baby face and MGF as the heel. Uh, you This is a situation where you've got MGF poised per, completely uniquely to be the biggest baby face in the company and arguably the biggest baby face in the industry right now um, by having him be turned on and having him lose the title. I think later that night, and uh, and be the babyface that has been wronged and is coming back for what is rightfully his. Uh, I think that's the money. I think that's the, the 100% what you have to do with this angle. Um, I think there's entirely too much connection with the crowd as far as MGF doing the I'm your scumbag thing. Um, and uh, I think if you pull the trigger and make him turn heel on the fans again... Uh, in this circumstance, I think you're going to kill any possibility of a big face turn down the road. This is the circumstance where you have to pull pull the trigger and make MJF the baby face. You have to do the turn. And I think the way to do it is to have Adam Cole turn on him in this match or even before the match takes place. You, know, you, could, you could set it up for the match and just have it be entirely an angle where no match takes place. Adam Cole immediately turns on him, the kingdom, and Roderick Strong come out and help him beat down MJF. To set up Adam Cole's eventual title win later that night, and uh, you know, but you could still go ahead with the match and uh, just have Adam Cole turn at the right time in the match. But that's what you've got to do. You've got to have Adam Cole as the heel in the storyline, and um, it's the only thing that works, I think, because not only does it work for the storyline itself, but like Roderick Stong, Strong, 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 uh, Roddy Strong, uh, if he if he is not part of a, a plan here to stab mjf in the back that he just looks like the biggest geek that has ever existed um and you know i think you have to do it i think you have to have babyface mjf
2: so i'm also at a 10 for this match oh you have to babyface mjf but i think what you do here is you tease something you don't go full bore as i can hear fred opening a can of beer during the tie the dr German pepper podcast. it's a little early <laughs> It's never – dude, I had 9 a.m. beers yesterday at the Minnesota State Fair. It's never too early to have a good one. Um, it's too early to have, like, six good ones. But So, I think you have to continue the tease. And then I think what you do is you have the kingdom um, help Adam Cole win it. And Adam Cole reforms the kingdom at the end of the show. And you get a baby-fest MJF chasing. And I think that's that's probably the best route here, I think, like MJF's been a great champion. He's been champion for almost a year because he wanted a full year. And I think you can give the title to Adam Cole and you establish the kingdom. And then you know what you can do? You can have like a program down the line with the kingdom versus the elite because obviously with the super click that with Cole and the Bucks. Then, then you've got some more programs built in, and then Adam Cole, Kenny Omega, uh, potentially for the title. There's a lot to go with, and I think that's the best route. But who knows what they'll do? If there's, they've done such a great job with misdirection and trying to figure out and tell us, "Hey, we're gonna do this." Oh no, we're gonna do this. Nobody knows, and that mm-hmm. that's what makes pro wrestling great. Nobody knows. Yeah, the intrigue. Yes. The intrigue is fantastic. Now, let's let's get to the main card, Fred. What do you have first? Uh,
3: I've got. I'm just working straight off Wikipedia here. Uh, the, they have first the Young Bucks against FTR, and look, this match is going well. I, I'll allow you to give your rating first, uh, one to ten, uh, or zero to ten. I forget now which we get. We do because I'm a very good podcaster. Uh, where you at on this one?
2: Um, the build has been spotty, but the match is going to deliver. I'm at a nine. I Yeah. Look, they wanted to hold off on the, this feud because of the no fans. When FTR came in under unfortunate circumstances during the midst of the pandemic. But their first match was very good. The second match was way too long. This match, they're going to get X amount of time in front of the biggest crowd in the history of professional wrestling to date. And it's going to be phenomenal
3: yeah um the build's kind of
2: been stinky though it's but been a uh, shitty I don't build care. bucks bucks versus FTR doesn't need a build hey i want to yeah. fight you we're one and one i want to prove we're better there's your build
3: yeah i just wish that like they had done you know a little more to build this so that it really felt special but you're right in that you don't need to do anything really special for this to be a great match um I, I think that if you'd put some juice on it, it would have helped. Of course, but you know where we are, we're going to end up getting with, you know, I mean, like if this is a four star match for a my scale, which is different from others, I, I'm one of the easier graders on the voices, you know, family. Um, but like for me, a four star match is like, hey, this is this is the lower end of great, and uh, you need it's like getting to the point where you should definitely check it out. Uh, With these two, if it's a four star match, you're like, man, that was a disappointment.
2: Yeah, hundred percent.
3: Yeah, so you know, as good as these four guys are, you know, it's going to be, I think, uh, opportunity for a really special match that could steal the show, that could end up in the year end uh, voting. You know, uh, this atmosphere is going to be insane. You know, we haven't really talked about that, but I can't even imagine, you know, what the circumstances are going to be for this show, what it's going to be like to be in the stadium of, you know, one of, if not the largest wrestling crowd ever. Um, and uh, yeah, I mean, it's, it's going to be bonkers. Um, I'm looking forward to this. Yeah. Uh, I'm going to drop a, I'll drop a 10 for the match. But once I factor in the bill, it's like, I'm probably down to an eight, frankly, but yeah.
2: You don't need a build for this. And they did a build, which I'm You don't need a
3: big build for this. You need a little build.
2: They just stunk with the build that they did. Yeah. And
3: it it wasn't much of a build. I I will continue to argue that. But, yeah.
2: I think the the go-home promo just stunk.
3: It was nothing special. I'm not going to say it stunk, but I'm going to say it was disappointing.
2: Disappointing, I think, is the best term. All right, what's next?
3: Uh, Next up is the legendary uh, four-way women's match with the long history of it in AEW. But it's uh, Britt Baker, DMD, against Soraya, against Tony Storm, against the champion, Hikaru Shida.
2: I'm at a seven here. Really? Uh, Let me explain. I want to see what Soraya is in this match. That has me really intrigued. She has not been good in AEW. She's had no, one. She good. hasn't. She's had one good match. And I, I think it was the match with Britt Baker. Baker kind of carried her a little bit. But that ended up being a pretty good match. Not great, not special, not worth what you're paying her. But it was good. She's gonna have her working boots on. She's gonna bust her ass wrestling in in Wembley Stadium in her home country. I think this match could really be a surprise on the show because you have two tremendous workers in Tony Storm and Hikaru Shida. You have a pretty good one who's inconsistent in Britt Baker. And you have Soraya who has like 15 years of experience. She's worked well before. Can she pull out the match of her life here? If there was a time for her to do it, it's now. And that's yes. why I'm really intrigued. It's that's 85- a good argument. Eighty-five thousand plus fans in her home country, where she's probably wrestled on a big stage a handful of times, she's gonna be all all in for this match. And I don't, I don't, that's that's a good pun, but it's not what I'm trying to say. She's yeah. gonna be ready to roll, and she's gonna bust her ass in this match. And I'm excited for it.
3: Uh, that's a convincing argument that I completely disagree with. Uh, I'm going to three <laughs> on this because i mean this you know we are already talked about it but the build for this has been shit um and i i hope you're right about soraya i I hope she does step up and then she delivers like a great performance but i don't think she's got it just off of what she's done so far um she is not she's she's rough in the ring i mean she barely works any um which, I mean, not that she really needs the reps to improve. I think she is what she is, but I, I'm just not like a big Soraya wrestler fan. Now, I think she's found herself a good spot with the Outcast nonsense. Um, and I think it might be prudent to have the Outcast turn on Tony Storm and cost her the championship. The downside of that is that means that we get Soraya Women's World Champion, which I'm not super excited about. Uh, but You know, I would love for them to salvage something out of this. I think it's a, I think they're going to go in motivated. Um, and so they could surprise me, and I hope they do. Uh, but just off of what we've been given so far, this is a three.
2: Yeah. I I don't blame anybody for not being excited about this match. I'm just very intrigued about Saraya and her home country, and that's going to carry it for me.
3: Yeah. Um, Next up, we have the tag coffin match, uh, which I honestly just hope is just a Yokozuna size coffin um, to put both the guys in at the same time. Uh, Christian Cage and Swerve Strickland against Darby Allen and Sting. Uh, where are you at on this one?
2: I'm at about a six or a seven. Uh, I don't like the idea of a tag team coffin match, but whatever. You're going to get Sting in front of 85,000 people at Wembley.
3: Yeah. And
2: Christian Cage, and how about this for Darby and Swerve? That's good for them. Like Sting's wrestled at StarCades and WrestleManias and Bound for Glories. He's wrestling in front of some huge crowds, and so like so's Christian. Yeah, and but Darby and Swerve have never wrestled in front of something like this, and I'm very happy for them. This could end up being really good. Christian Cage is going to have his working boots on. He'll have to sting and Darby's going to take some stupid bump that looks like he should be dead and he's going to get up just fine because his name is Darby Allen. Yeah, this, this is going to end up being a train wreck in all the best ways. And I can't wait.
3: Yeah. The, uh, the problem with this is I remember what happened to Shawn Michaels that caused his first retirement. Um, so I, you know, I, I just thinking about that, I just worry about, uh, Darby. I, did you give a number? You did give a number on this, right?
2: Six or seven.
3: Yeah. Six or seven. Uh, I'm, I'm at an eight on this cause I think it could be a great match. And, uh, even if, you know, even with they are Fox nonsense, uh, which there's still going to be a lot of questions about moving forward. Um, I think that, um, you know, I, I think it's going to deliver, um, I, uh, I think Christian is not a downgrade as a worker uh, from A.R. Fox, but, like, just maybe less well-fitting for this style of match, which you probably want to see just crazy shit after crazy shit. And at Christian's age and after all his body's been through, that's probably not his strongest point, but, you know, I, I think he can step it up and also deliver in this match, so... Um, but yeah, I'm going to drop a seven. I think I'm going to settle on a seven here. And, uh, I think this will be fun.
2: Fun is good. And I like, I, this is probably going to end up being the semi-main because almost every Darby Allen match feels like it ends up being the semi-main of the pay-per-view.
3: Yeah. Uh, Especially when stings involved too.
2: Yeah. So Darby CM Punk was the semi-main of all out 2021 Darby was the semi-main a forbidden door with sting. It just seems to be a tradition. And cool. What's next, Fred?
3: Uh, What's next is a lot of gold. The Golden Elite, uh, Kenny Omega, Kota Ibushi, and Adam Page. I wonder if, have we actually had these three just as a trio before? I don't know offhand, and I probably should have looked that up before the show. Um,
2: I don't think so because when Omega and Ibushi got back together in New Japan, Adam Page was on the other side because they had the wrestling yeah. of Don It was um, the Bucks, Cody versus Ibushi and Page versus Kenny. Yeah. Then uh, the back to back Knights. And they kind of positioned Page away from that. Mm-hmm. So I don't think they've ever been a trio together before. Now, could they have been an ROH? I, I still doubt it because of yeah, the same so. constructs that I just gave. And Page
3: wasn't a big push to act at that point either. He was still developing.
2: No. He started getting the push uh, in the G1 of 2018. Yeah. They had him beat Minoru Suzuki. That was a really big deal. He finished with eight points and a four and five record, which for his spot in the company, that was pretty good. good.
3: That was a good push, yeah. Uh, But they're facing uh, Kanosuke Takeshita, Juice Robinson, and Jay White, the latter two representing Bullet Club Gold. Where are you on this
2: match? One to ten. Eight. Um, Eight. This should be just Omega to catch their singles.
3: Yeah, they're probably saving. Uh, they're probably saving something like that for Chicago. I imagine that's my nah, guess. Screw
2: Chicago. Like, I really think that they should have done everything they could to get a really big singles match out of a guy like Omega on this show. Now, the trios match is going to be very good, and AEW is a trios company. But I think that the didn't do enough to really give this crowd a true great, like, special singles match. Now, we'll talk about Jericho and Osprey here in a little bit, but I think it was a mistake. I don't know if it's going to end up mattering, but I still think they should have really made an effort to do so. Yeah.
3: Yeah, it's... uh, It's tough, man. <laughs> it's, it's not easy. Um, but I think they have to build some stuff off this show for all out. Otherwise they're not going to have any bill basically for that show for the most part. So I think this is the trade-off that you you're losing out on a singles match in this circumstance to get a few more guys on the show. And so that you can set something up for the next pay-per-view that is like immediately afterwards. So.
2: And that's exactly what this is. That doesn't mean I have to like it.
3: Yeah, that's fair. I mean, yeah, I agree with you. I, it would be more intriguing to me if it was otherwise, you know, different, but I mean, you know, sacrifices must be made so uh i'm gonna go i'll check in at a a nine on this i'm really looking forward to this even if the build on it has not been particularly great uh but i think this is a start and not an end so that'll work for me next up is five on five action in the stadium stampede you've got eddie kingston orange cassidy chuck taylor trent beretta and pinta el cero miedo Against the Blackpool Combat Club, John Moxley, Claudio Castanoli, and Willa Uda, as well as the hired guns Ortiz and Mike Santana.
2: Mike Santana?
3: I think he's in, he's going by Mike Santana, if I'm not mistaken. Oh, I I, I think new. they I think they mentioned that just once on commentary. Yeah.
2: Okay. Um, I'm at a 10 for this. Anytime yeah. AEW does these type of just insane brawls. They nail it. Uh, production. I will caveat
3: phenomenal. that. I will caveat that once because the second stadium Stampede match with the Inner Circle and the Pinnacle, I think it was, yeah. that stunk. That was not good.
2: Ooh, I disagree. It was different. I like that they ended it in the ring because it was the first match back with fans, but I, I thought that was good. It wasn't as good as the first one. But Oh, like, no.
3: Nowhere close. But
2: I'll say this. that They've had a lot of production issues lately. And they did have some production issues with Anarchy in the arena, uh the first the second go around back in May. Yeah. They have normally been really freaking good at producing these types of matches. I like the cohesiveness here of why Santana and Ortiz are teaming with the Blackpool Combat Club. One, Moxley has said you have to bleed with us to be with us. Santana Ortiz did. Mm -hmm. Eddie Kingston was on the Blackpool Combat Club side. They have beef with Eddie Kingston. Bada bing, bada boom. And Eddie Kingston still obviously has beef with the Blackpool Combat Club. And they're not uh, members of the Inner Circle anymore. And you have the Ortiz-Eddie Kingston storyline that's been going on, on and off throughout the company for the last year. I think this works out well. I don't think they're hired guns. I think they're going to be full-fledged members. That that's my take on it. But even so, this is really good. I think this has huge opportunity here to be to steal the show and it's going to take a lot of really good production from AEW. But Man, they got a real shot here.
3: Yeah, I I hope they uh, succeed. I hope it works. We will see. Um, there's always a little risk with the style of match, especially in this setting. Um, I, one presumes that it's going to be live rather than a pre-tape deal, um, in part at least. Um, I guess we'll see on that. They could do some pre-tape segments uh, like they did with the Inner Circle one I mentioned earlier. Uh, but, yeah, uh I'm I'm curious about how this goes and uh, yeah, I'll check in at a at a nine on this, I think. Uh I, I even though it's been a little stutter step just because of Eddie going off to the G1, I think they did a good job writing him off of AEW TV for that. And um, you know, the whole Eddie Kingston, John Moxley thing is like one of the best long-term stories they have going on in the company. So I like that. Uh next up is Chris Jericho against Will Ospreay. 10.511. Yeah. I,
2: I can't wait. Okay, I, I seriously can't wait. Will Ospreay is the best wrestler in the world. I could make a real argument he's the best wrestler of all time. And that's going to sound like sacrilege to some people. Like He's got it in the ring. He's had it in the ring for a decade. And every year he gets better and better and better. He had two matches this year that I called the best match of all time. And would, I still think uh, Osprey Jericho or Osprey Omega-2 is better than Osprey Omega-1, even with the Don Cal shit, whatever. But he's so good, and he's figuring it out with his promos, too. He's all-encompassing, and you're going against an all-time great in Chris Jericho. This is going to be phenomenal. Why is it going to be phenomenal here, Fred? Jericho is a mind for the business. And Jericho is going to figure it out, how to work with this guy. And Osprey is going to as well. They're going to have a plan. They're going to know what to do, considering Jericho's limitations. This is going to be great. And I would be shocked if this doesn't at least hit four and a quarter, four and a half. Yeah. This could be a five-star match. That's the ceiling here. And Jericho does have some issues as far as with his working style. He's he's just his body doesn't have it anymore the way it used to. But they're both so smart, and they they both understand how to work. They're going to be able to work around those limitations, and I think that is why I'm so so excited about it. That uh, Jericho Eddie Kingston match. I think you I I think that was one I saw live at Full Gear, where that was Kingston, awesome. Thing, Kingston finally got the win. Yeah, like just uh, that's all you have to do. Osprey can do his flippy do stuff. Jericho can do his big high spots. Osprey ends up getting the win in, in front of the Wembley crowd, and you can build it with story. You can build a cohesive match in the ring. We couldn't have said that about Will Osprey five years ago, where we could trust him to put together a really cohesive story in the middle of a match because he did all, it, He was still mainly a spot fest kind of guy now he's a complete worker mm-hmm. and i am very excited are there better matches you can book to chris jericho yeah of course are there any good they're going to have this kind of cachet that are going to be like have a, like a reverence this is a this is a match for will osprey that's like a dream match for him because like our formative years were chris jericho yeah like, Osprey is a couple years younger than I am. We grew up watching Jericho. This is going to be really, really good. And you know Ospreay's going to do everything he can for this guy. Hell, he took multiple Destinos on his own against Naito to make sure he got over in, in that G1 semifinal. Imagine what Osprey would do for Chris Jericho.
3: Yeah. Um, I mean, for sure. It was... Um... He's going to do everything he can to uh, just make sure that works and that it's a success. And um, yeah, I mean, uh, it's it's you know if he's able to accomplish it, and it's not like uh, Jericho' is completely shot. He's he's not what he once was. Obviously, he's up there in age, um, but he um, could really be able to be lifted. Not carried, but lifted to a very special match. And I, you know, I think they really did a great job of heating this up, unlike the Young Bucks FTR match with their promo segment on this past dynamite. I thought they did a great job, uh, working that angle and, uh, giving both guys, uh, motivation to, uh, to get, um, to do what they need to and uh i'm pretty excited at this point so i'm going to be conservative just because there's a little you know um a little bit of a potential for some disappointments because i'm still a little scared from the adam cole chris jericho match uh, a few months ago that just was terrible um but i'm gonna go a nine on this um and i hope it's a success
2: Chris Jericho's going to have his working boots on in a big way, too, because it's Wembley. Yeah. And I, I the promo, it, it got some mixed reviews as far as the presentation of Will Osprey, which I, I think I have a better understanding now because I think the uh, some of the European f- uh, people in the wrestling scene were really down on the appearance of Will Ospreay. And I, I noticed the, a lot of the American fans weren't, and I think it's a cultural disconnect between, like, because, like, like British culture versus American culture. I don't think anybody else really thought much about the appearance of Will Ospreay, but then it was described to me by a friend of the show and um, voice of wrestling. So own Joey O'Doherty said it, look, it's like an over the top cartoonish thing. And Mm -hmm. Americans love that kind of stuff. But to like people from Europe, it's like, it's viewed differently. And I think that's, I get that. I understand it now. I didn't have, I didn't initially because I'm just like, "Oh, Osprey is just uh, he's he's got his own kit," which I thought was a nice touch. And it felt like he was trying to just get bruv over, like uh, American fans love to chant something. And mm-hmm. sure that's going to be their thing now. And yeah, you can view it kind of how you want and um I I thought the promo hit well. The why behind these two wanting to do the match. And it it got me real excited. Like I loved Osprey calling out Jericho because I think this is an important thing. Jericho's gonna play Judas with Fozzie yeah. at Wembley to come out. And Je- Osprey's like, You're only really doing this match, so you can you can claim that Fozzie played Wembley. Like just great stuff. Great stuff. Reality-based promos are the best. And this match is going to be tremendous.
3: Yeah, um, I, I thought Osprey did a fantastic job. Did he? Did he use Bruv a few too many times? Yeah, sure. If but if that's like your big complaint, I mean, he he had basically this one segment to get over a character, and obviously the character they're going with here is Loudmouth uh, Brit. That's an asshole, mm-hmm. and the easiest way to get that done is to go full chaff. Um, even us idiotic Americans are aware of what that means, uh, to some extent. And it was just shorthand in that case. I don't think you got to worry about him wearing, you know, going full like soccer hooligan and, uh, for the rest of his AW career or anything. Um, but you know, if you've got to you know, it's kind of how wrestling works. If you've got to get your stuff over, um, you know, you got to dumb it down a little bit, just at least initially. And, uh, There it is, you know, Uh, but yeah, I'm excited for this and I think it should, will hopefully rock. Uh, Osprey is so good at this point. I'd be astonished if this was anything short of excellent.
2: Yeah, it's going to be fantastic and I can't wait. How many more Uh, matches do we have? Like three?
3: We got three, baby. Uh, So we'll just power through here. Samoa Joe against the air quotes real world champion CM Punk. Where are you at on this?
2: Man, I'm at a 5. They I think they really blew this the importance of this match with the CM Punk win in the Owen Hart oh, tournament and You took this out of my thing, mouth, man. I hate CM Punk. <laughs> I'm so sick of him. I'm sick of his bullshit. I'm sick of him like running people away from the arena. I'm sick of him being him. And I I'm at a point where I understand from a business perspective it's a net positive. It's great. From a, from an enjoyment standpoint, I'm completely out. I'm just, I'm over CM Punk. It
3: is, um, it's a shame because, uh, he's still a very good performer more so in the, uh, talking portion than the wrestling portion. He can still do some good wrestling, but you know, obviously those days are his best days are behind him at this point. Um, uh, this, you know, I, I uh, you you stole the words out of my mouth with regards to the booking of the Owen. Uh, it made no sense to me to have him beat. You know, they they do this big build about how CM Punk's never beat him, and he gets his first win with a small package in a uh, like what was it, twelve minute TV match? You know, that just didn't make that didn't fit the story to me. It should have been a big match like this, and it should have. Bit more, and instead it was just like ah oh, he won the semifinals. Cool, good for him. See you next week. It's like all yeah, right, man. cool, great. Um I, I'm not I, I can separate CM Punk the performer from CM Punk the human being still. Um there is a I, I'm glad he went away after Brawl out just to have that break. Um otherwise I might be singing a different tune. Uh but I'm still, you know, I hope this is good, but I'm pessimistic, especially after the uh Granted, it was just one move and one angle, but the GTS that CM Punk did on Joe last Saturday was atrocious. It looked like crap. Um, And, you know, Punk's never been exactly the cleanest worker, but even by his standards, that was rough. And uh, I don't know. Right now, I'm sitting at a six. Um, It just feels like a real odd build, and uh, I don't know, you know, Samoa Joe is not having great matches regularly anymore, and CM Punk's not having great matches regularly anymore. I mean, he's been in some, but he's been teaming with, like, FTR, you know, who are obviously very good workers right now. Um, Fantastic, even. Uh, So, yeah, you're going to get some credit for being in six-man tags where you're teaming with FTR, but, like, I could probably team with FTR if it's worked right. Uh, We we could have at least a a three-and-a-half-star match, you know. Because that's how good FTR is.
2: I think the match is going to be good. I just don't care. And Punk being Punk has honestly made me not care. And it's it's a shame because I was I was really into his return. It came earlier. Or sorry, it was it would have been this Saturday was the one year anniversary of Punk's return. What uh, a year! The last Saturday, <laughs> and I was actually at my my wedding reception. So. <laughs> It, I forgot the, this. Yeah. So no, it was two years, a uh, two year anniversary. So yeah, Sunday, two years uh, go on Sunday. And so I got married during the pandemic and we had a dinner for everybody who came because we only were able to have so many people. And then we had a big one a year later. So is that the big one? And I'm sitting on my phone because they, the TV in I, the I, lobby I, of the reception area, didn't have TB at, or TNT. Sorry to so, interrupt,
3: but I think you mean the big bill
1: one.
2: <laughs> the big bill one. I love it. Um, Sorry. No, that's very good. Uh, so I'm sitting on a, on my phone watching with, uh with my buddy and my wife comes out. And it's like, what the hell are you doing? I'm like, CM Punk's back. Like, just all excited. She's like, what pro wrestling? Just let me enjoy this. Whatever. <laughs> and her couple of her friends like he's watching pro wrestling, and and she's like it's it has to be something big. Other he's not stupid,
3: like it, <laughs> it, but it was
2: our second one, so I like I kind of got away with it. Yeah, a little awesome. easier. I I think I watch I got home and I had it recorded. I think I watched the um I watched it like six times because it was just such a special moment in pro wrestling, and now I can't stand him. I I don't I don't want to watch him anymore. Yeah, that's... it's it's incredibly frustrating.
3: Yeah, it, it stinks, man. It's it's a bummer. Um, but this is the life we live now. Do you, I, I do want to ask you? Do you think you'd be so bothered by it if you didn't have to do a podcast every week and talk about it and like cover every aspect of the nonsense?
2: I think I'd be less annoyed by it. But I'm I'd still be annoyed by it. Like, dude, Punk, you can tell he's out to business for himself. Like, it's it's just annoying. I'm 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 just over it.
3: Fair enough. Fair enough. We got two matches left. Uh, House of Black with their World Trios Championship against Billy Gunn and the acclaimed. Where are you at? One to ten.
2: Alright, Claire just peed on the floor. We um that look eclair's six and she's a rescue dog she basically spent her entire life in a yeah. kennel so she doesn't understand we're trying but yeah, long stretches funny. like this game, a little tough so i'm at about a seven i think this could be a really good match i it sounds like they're gonna get um the the ass man gimmick for billy gunn and that's kind of cool I think this is the best told story right now in AEW, which really tells you a lot about where the company is. It's going to be a good match. The Acclaimed have been become really good in-ring workers. House of Black rocks as a trio. They're great. This could end up being really good. And yeah. like, this is like a perfect match in the mid card where you just throw them out there and be like, hey, you got 15 minutes. Go have fun. That's what I think this is.
3: Yeah, I I'm at a I'm at a six on this. I mean, it's not gonna be a great match, but it could be a fun one. And uh really that's all I'm hoping for on this one. So, you know, hopefully we'll get some good fun stuff out of it. And our main event, Adam Cole against MJF for the AEW World Championship. One to ten. Where are you,
2: Tyler? We talked about it earlier. I'm at like a fourteen. Yeah. This is the intrigue here on what's going to happen is everything and their first match was great this has a chance to be like i'm not gonna say an all-timer but an all-timer in aew canon like this is this could really change the direction of this company if they nail this it could it, like we had the really nice article and i can't remember who wrote it for voices of wrestling it was um but uh, like This isn't the AEW I I signed up for. This isn't the AEW that I loved watching. Like, is this the the end for me? There are people like that out there. And this could really solidify them leaving or them staying because, okay, they nailed this. There's still hope. This is still the AEW that I remember, even if it's got some of the extra bullshit. If they blow it at Wembley, it's going to be a stain on this company. And it could really hurt them long term. Yeah. Shane Silver, by the way. Yeah, it was a great article too. Nice work, Shane. It's not a detriment. It's it's gonna be like I'm trying to think. Kevin Nash beating Goldberg for the title at Starcade. You didn't see it right away. Because ninety eight business was really good, ninety nine business started to really t- downturn, and two thousand it crashed. I think you're you're looking at it could be Taze and Goldberg at starcade level if they blow this. Yeah, and it could be the beginning of the downturn of this company. Like th- there's always a moment where you can be like, oh, it goes up. During the Monday Night War, it was Tony Shivani saying that Mick Foley's going to win the world title. That'll put the butts in the seats. Everybody flipped. They saw Mick Foley win the world title. It was a great moment. That was kind of the turning point for WWF. And this could be a turning point for AEW if they either crush it or blow it. And to me, that intrigue is incredible. Yeah.
3: Yeah, I, I you know they they really do have the possibility of just completely owning themselves. Um, fingers crossed that they don't. Um, obviously, but it's such a big, uh, such a big moment in the company's history, and frankly, I think for the first real big uh, big moment in. Um, in the history of AW, it feels like that there's not really a guarantee that they're going to blow it. And I think that's really interesting. Um, Maybe, you know, they may fail. And uh, if that's the case, you know, uh, you know, that's going to hurt them, I think. Um, Yeah, so, but... Hope, oh, fingers crossed, and uh, hope you know, I think this match is definitely going to lean heavy on the storytelling, and uh, I think that's going to give it some uh, variability in terms of just how good it's going to be. Uh, because I think AW, the grands, you know, that no, no pun intended, but the home runs in terms of match quality and the grand slams are uh, are the ones that are just hey, we're doing a match, uh, and there's some story with it, sure, but you know, really we're just trying to have the best match we can, and um. I think where the risk comes in um, is uh, is if the you know this goes kind of like Adam Cole Chris Jericho where the work just isn't up to it and it's too much story and uh, it doesn't work. So yeah, we'll see. I think it's very intriguing and not necessarily in the best way. But.
2: This this could be the turning point of the company, whether good or bad, and. Mm-hmm. I'm very excited to see what happens here. And we have All Out, which we have a couple matches announced for. Darby Allin um, is going to challenge Luchasaurus for the TNT title. And Will Hobbs versus Miro. That could be excellent.
3: Yeah, that could be really fun.
2: Yes, only. Yeah.
3: And but that's the, that's that's the, card, the card and... That's the show, really. I think. Anything else you want to talk about from this past week?
2: No, my dogs are are like the Frenchy version of purring at me, and they're they just they just want dad. So we're gonna go all, right. all out, the like biggest wrestling show in the history of all time this Sunday. If you're ordering outside of the United States, voiceofwrestling dot com slash fight to help us get a little bit of a kickback, we would greatly appreciate it, and you will not want to miss it. Red circle. And yes. What about Red Circle?
3: Uh, we got a Red Circle, right? And that they can click on and then give us money if they want to.
2: Yes. it's It's been in the show notes for a few weeks. Uh, and click it. Do a, do a capitalism yeah. for me. Yeah. We, we are we are venture capitalists trying to make a little bit of money on the side. And anything that you believe that we have earned is 100% greatly appreciated. That is in the show notes as well as Fred's um, Patreon and my viking-centric youtube channel vikings first in school go ahead and subscribe to both of those and you can find me on twitter at the real foreigner you can find us both on blue sky and ladies and gentlemen enjoy the greatest wrestling show of all time at least the
3: biggest hopefully it is the greatest but we'll see take care everyone have a good one
1: hello everyone my name is taylor and i'm kelly and we are the co-hosts of jumping bomb audio the number one show all about the world of joshi pro wrestling episodes drop every other monday where we discuss the biggest joshi news review shows and preview the hottest upcoming joshi action
2: so whether you're a new fan or an old fan we've got something here for you at jumping bomb
1: audio Check us out on the Voices of Wrestling Podcast Network.